is August 1st, 2022, and it is episode 73 of the Stop Skeleton Podcasting Podcast. Hey, it's me, Derek, and our very special guest, not Grace, Kelsey Lewin. Hi. Multi-hyphenated, multi commod I don't know. I wasn't quite sure how to introduce you, Kelsey. Lots of punctuation yeah, in my you, career. Uh, co-owner of Pink Gorilla, co-operator of the uh, video game foundation history foundation <laughs> oh my gosh i'm already screwing this that's up that's okay um yeah i'm the co-director of the video game history foundation yes well. and also a contributor to uh um, min max you yeah. were you were recently on giant bomb i was that was pretty cool and it's okay i'm not i'm not at all jealous it was very random yeah like that came out of nowhere and i was like well i'm obviously saying yes to this i yeah, don't know yeah. why they reached out to me mm-hmm. but i'm obviously saying yes to this and i saw you were playing smart ball and yeah. struggling and I was like yeah I'd struggle at smart ball too yeah that that's game. A, I have not played that game since I think I rented it from Blockbuster I didn't I, I think I did realize I mean I pointed it out in the beginning of that mm-hmm. segment but I didn't realize that that game was Jerry Boy oh really the, yeah the okay. like Super Famicom game and I have the Super Famicom <laughs> game haven't played it yeah more than like four seconds exactly but... it's definitely one of those like this is weird and neat but all right yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, and also another hyphen or comma for you, uh, the world's or at least the Pacific Northwest's foremost collector of Wonderswan. Wait, where's the hyphen in that? I don't know, but it's definitely one th- more thing you can have on your resume. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll take, I think I am the North American Wonderswan person. Yeah. I, will, I will actually accept that title because I there's not another person in North America with a full set, so... <laughs> Uh, prove Sh- me wrong. Yeah, prove sh- me wrong, yeah. please. I would Shot love to meet another one of you. <laughs> well, it's great, it's great having you. Um, it's been a, it's been a ridiculous kind of day right now. Uh, but Grace is she's with family right now. Technically, she might not actually be with that family just yet. <laughs> but um, yeah, we've been waiting for her to kind of do some stuff with family. She was supposed to have been already uh, well gone and be doing stuff with her family. Uh, and wonderful travel situation has not permitted that to happen exactly. However, you are here to fill uh, her shoes for the yeah, day. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try at least. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. It's also good to have you uh, on our podcast because I've been on uh, uh, one of your podcasts a couple times now. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but I want to say that you are our first American guest on Style wow. Skills and Podcasting. Really? Yes. We had a friend from Canada and our, our friend uh, Luke, uh, who lives in jolly old England, so we've never actually had another American on here. Wow, that's actually a huge honor. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I do have to say, though, uh, it is weird as a former Alaskan welcoming a former Texan into uh, the Stop Skeletons and Fighting fan club here. Because uh, I, don't know if, I don't know if you know this. You probably don't know this at all. Because why would you? Uh, we tend to ignore Alaska. Down yeah. There. And, like- we're, and exactly. Alaska's <laughs> like, oh, Texas. Oh, we're so much bigger. Because Alaska is a much, much bigger state. Yeah, I mean, we That's just, we we just consider that, like, I think in Texas, it's just like, well, Alaska doesn't count. We're the biggest state because Alaska doesn't count. Here's a fun Sorry. fact, though. Alaska could buy Texas, turn it into a national forest, still wouldn't be Alaska's biggest national forest. Wow. Alaska is stupid. big. You guys are big. so big. Yeah. There's nothing to do up there, though. Wow. <laughs> that's that's a lot of land you got yeah, there. You, Good job. I mean, if you like hiking and, and, you know, camping and hunting and all that stuff, oh, it's a fantastic place to live. But, uh, nah. I, I don't care. Not for that. so much for video games. No. Well, I mean, the weird thing about that is I got my collection largely in Alaska at various th- thrift stores and pawn shops. 
And it really felt like it was me, my friends, and maybe three other people that were routinely hitting up the Valley Villages and Salvation Armies. Yeah, so probably like less quantity, <clears throat> but very little competition, right? Yeah, to so, be honest. I imagine that Anchorage is really no different from any other city of two to 300,000 people. It's just that there's no place else to go. You can't drive to... It, you can't drive to like, you know, Boise or something like that. There's no place outside of Austin. It is just that. There's just Anchorage. Um, and so, yeah, I'm happy, much happier here. Yeah, welcome to welcome to the beautiful state of Washington that I've only been in for like almost 10 years. It'll be 10 years, I think, oh, next month. Nice. Yeah. Wow. So I'm, uh, I feel like I'm, I don't know what the rule is, but like <laughs> nobody's from Seattle. So yeah, I yeah. feel like the rule is at 10 years, you can call yourself a seattleite i don't know if that's true i'm making that up but i lived in texas for 11 years and oh that's i can i mean i mostly consider myself a texan because it's the longest i've lived anyway but it was like the teen years that that, that like yeah it was it was like i moved there in like towards the end of elementary school and was there through high school or yeah or maybe i think that, the beginning. that's about yeah. like i think that's about grace's relationship with alaska she moved there when she was like in elementary school, I was born and raised there, so I I'm kind of stuck. Um, but I think definitely once you cross over that line of like, okay, you've lived in one place equal number of years, which one can you claim? Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm I'm about to be very confused. Like when people ask me where I'm from, I I don't know anymore. Yeah, I was so happy to be like, oh, Seattle, Seattle, Washington. <laughs> I mean, I was born and raised in Alaska. But I was I was happy to claim something else, but I've only lived in two places, so that's all that's all I have. How does one leave Alaska? It's quite difficult. Like, do people leave Alaska? Yes. Uh, do? Okay. <laughs> it turns out, well, to be fair, a lot of the best girls do. <laughs> um, uh, it's it's funny when I told my parents I was moving to Seattle, they're like, yeah, that fits. There's a drawing power of Alaskans to move to Seattle. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the next closest big city, I guess, yeah, right? Well, to like, leave, usually to leave Alaska, you have to stop in uh, Seattle airport to... Uh, um, that that you always transfer at least there. So I, I've I had been to Seattle numerous numerous times, but only left the airport a couple of times before I moved here. Well, that sounds terrifying. I mean, I guess I had only visited Seattle twice before I moved here, so that's. I guess that's pretty much the same. Well, I guess you're my guest, so I should probably like pick your brain a little bit. Okay. Um, I don't want to get too too deep in things, but like, yeah, what what was the what what did draw you to Seattle then? Well, I uh, grew up for the most part in Texas, and I decided I wanted uh, whatever the opposite of Texas was. Um, not, I mean, I, there are things I miss about Texas, and I had a good time living there, but mm -hmm. it was not a place I wanted to live the rest of my life, and um, definitely not the place I wanted to spend my adulthood. Yeah. Um, great food down there. It is, I just really, I'm more of an urban person, I guess. Like, I just wanted to be in more of a city. And what happens with most Texans is they, they think that same thing, and then they go to Austin. They go to Austin, Texas, because mm -hmm. that is the closest thing to, like, city life or, um, you know, a coastal city, even. like it's, yeah. it's so, Austin is, like, West Coast training wheels. <laughs> and so a lot of my friends moved to Austin because they were kind of feeling the same way. They were like, yeah, I don't really love Texas. Um, I want to be somewhere, you know, I'm a little bit more politically aligned with and I want to yeah. like have more things to do at night and uh, better public transportation and that sort of oh, thing. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> so a ton of them moved to Austin and I was uh, 
one of only two of my friends to be like, what if I just left Texas entirely? Yeah. <laughs> so um, one of my friends went to Colorado and then I, um, I guess one went to Oklahoma. That doesn't count. That's still going to Texas. <sighs> Uh, it depends on how like wouldn't it matter like how far into Oklahoma how far away from the Dust Bowl you were I mean you are Oklahoma is just another Texas is it okay it's I'm way out of my depth here so I'll have to believe it's functionally Texas Uh, (laughs) I'm sure there's some people who are not going to agree with me but in my opinion Mm -hmm. um, as a a coastal elite that you are (laughs) yes as a a 10 year coastal elite Um, so I you know I moved for college I was looking at what college did I want to go to? And I was like, well, this is, seems like a good a chance as any to start over completely. So if I could go anywhere in the U.S., where would I want to go? Oh, so you, like, you didn't, you were in college in Texas and decided no, to? No, no, I moved to, like, when I was in high school, mm, I was okay. like, what is, how can I get out of Texas? And I was like, oh, well, what if I just went somewhere out of state for college? Which, by the way, really expensive. Don't recommend. Yes, yeah. Um I, uh, well, actually, if you just do what I did and, um, I was, I did a year of schooling at the University of Washington. That was where I ultimately decided, you know, mm-hmm. I had visited several places on the West Coast. Um, there are places in California I really liked. Um, yeah. I liked, I liked the state of Oregon. I didn't really like where any of the schools were in Oregon, like Eugene. Oh yeah. You get, or... you get all the ducks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Eugene, which is quite far from Portland. You want to go. Right. Just, Portland's right. a big fun place. That's where you want to go. But Seattle seemed like a really cool city. Um, and so I decided, okay, I'm going to apply to a couple of Seattle schools. I did also apply to some East Coast schools. I applied to Boston University and got in. I thought about NYU. Um, these were all like, I feel like those would have been a harder change, though. So you were one of those even. like good grave, good grade havers, huh? Uh, no, I mean, my parents wanted me to apply to like Yale and stuff. And I was like, guys, listen, <clears throat> you see my grades and stuff? Like, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Oh, okay. I got, I'm. Uh, what I'm actually really good at uh, is writing. I really? filled my college essay, so nice. I feel like that carried my, uh, you know, good but not like valedictorian or anything like that grades. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, what was I saying? Yeah. Anyways, I I moved to Seattle because it just it felt like it felt like a good place to go um and be away from texas and so i i did a year at the university of washington then i stopped going to school for a little bit to get my state residency so that school could be way cheaper and also i think having that buffer year is so important i don't know that a lot of kids do that but like i think going from high school to college is a huge mistake it was rough Mm -hmm. i i just i worked full-time during that and i did um i was allowed to take one online class to not be considered like so to get your in-state residency you have to be like not going to school currently (laughs) oh okay but you could be taking one class so i was taking one class at a time so that i was still like sort of going to Mm -hmm. school um you know just a local community college and uh yeah then returned to the university of washington i finished um towards the end it felt a little silly because i was going for um, a communications and business degree, and I literally owned a business by that point. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I was like a semester away from graduating. So I was like, I should probably just go ahead and graduate in case this just, whole thing doesn't work out. Just get it done. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that like really having a degree, I, I sometimes like finishing college with a degree and then going to pursue something within that degree, that is certainly. Uh, a valiant effort 
I do think, though, that just having a degree to show certain people that like, hey, I can finish things. Right. I, I, I don't think that'll ever hurt you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, that's why I was like, I should go ahead and just finish this. And I, for the record, I did learn valuable things about business in business school, yeah. but I definitely learned more about business by running one than about yeah. going to classes for it. So oh, that's the best of both worlds, right? Yeah. You know, it's like you got to you can read all the textbooks in the world, but you got to put in your 10,000 hours, you know, right? Yeah. So what, what was there a lot of like overlap in did you feel like you were able to immediately use your uh, your your studies in the business situation you were suddenly put in? Or was it all of a sudden like, oh, wow, I, this was this class sucked. I was not that was that <laughs> didn't tell me anything. Um, I feel like the worst thing I can say is that a lot of it just ended up not applying because, you know, when you're going to school for business, the pipeline is probably more of like you're going to end up in the corporate business world rather mm. than like an entrepreneurship esque type thing and and certainly not so much like a retail business like i'm i mean i run a retail business yes. and i didn't go to school to learn how to run a retail store the easiest way to learn that is to work in a retail store for yeah. a while and that's you know that's how you'll learn and also a, a specific retail store like not just any kind of right retail, yeah. right so i mean i i learned so much more through like going to the portland retro gaming expo about the market that I'm in than, yeah, you know, I ever yeah. did from business school. But there were definitely some things that, um, you know, even just some philosophies and stuff that carried over from business school. I took a really good, this is going to sound like such a slimy class, but I swear <laughs> it was actually really interesting. Um, I took a negotiations class and it hmm. has helped me reframe uh, just what I want out of different scenarios even if they're not like a business scenario yeah um but i did put that one to use pretty quickly because so uh pinkerilla our store goes to several um like events and conventions and stuff so we do packs we do emerald city comic con we do uh sakura con uh we technically go to uh portland retro gaming expo although our booth is there to be storage for all of the stuff we're buying i mean we do sell stuff but like yeah, yeah. it's it's like 80 percent so that we have a place to store all of the stuff we're buying. Um, but shortly after I took that class, um, Reed Pop had just taken over uh, Emerald City Comic Con. Um, they just like bought out the convention and they mm. were, uh, you know, changing some things around because they're mm. a big corporate event company and, yeah, yeah. and they, they tend to do stuff like that. So they uh, came to us and they were like, yeah, so this is a comic convention and you guys aren't comics. So we're going to like have a weird little... Um, annex area for video games, which they like a relocatable. Yes, and they had actually done that before, and it went terribly for mm. us. This was like my first year in Seattle. This was like I think 2012, yeah, um, and um, maybe 2013. But that went terribly for us, and think and they dropped it. And then Reed Pop bought the convention, and then they basically had the same idea. They're like, "What if we just shove video games somewhere else?" And so I, using the stuff I learned from that class, I, you know, had a plan to go into this conversation and be like, look, we've been going to Emerald City Comic Con since it was this tiny thing, and um, you're not going to screw us over with this. Like, yeah. you're going to give us a booth where we belong because nothing else makes any sense. And, um, it ended up working. Nice, uh, nice. Yeah, and I'm I'm not a huge fan of, of Comic Con myself but uh at least not the one here i'm sure some of the other ones are more fun but um but yeah i mean i i learned some things is all yeah, i'm yeah. getting at <laughs> <laughs> so you do have a degree in business and you own a business but 
I imagine that like just it's like learning an instrument, you know, something like that is is you can read as many books as you need to and you can watch many tutorials. But like you need to you got to get your your calluses. You got to yes. get that get that muscle memory. Yeah, there's I mean, again, there's like some philosophies you can learn. I mean, and there's some things I can impart on on people, too. I mean, things like uh, you are you're going to need employees and you're going to need to be able to rely on them. So like give them autonomy and treat them well and that sort of thing. What? Or, or this your is customers. America. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. <laughs> or customers might get overwhelmed with too many choices. So like, you know, there's, there's little things like that that you can learn from a textbook and that you mm -hmm. might not pick up um, from doing the work. But uh, I don't know. I'm very lucky that my situation is that I, managed a business and then later owned it so like i got to learn why everything was the way it was and what changes might be smart before i actually had to start having my own money invested yeah. in it basically <laughs> you know that's actually kind of brings up a question that somebody asked let me pull it up because i so you basically you moved here mm -hmm. uh and you got a job at pinkerilla while you were going to college yep and then you know yada 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 you end up having <laughs> the store that you, you you were managing it and then you own it now. Yeah. Um, I think somebody asked, let me find it. It was um, basically. Uh, Is it just what's the story behind that? No, it's if, um, what would you be doing? Do what would you be doing differently? Um, so Daniel and Clara uh, Broden, let's see. Uh, maybe you become a whale fisher in Iceland. <laughs> Or a camel wrangler in Northern Africa. Just if I didn't have my business? Yeah, just basically, because you really did kind of, you. I don't want to say it's like your, your, for your first job, but it's sort of like it's one of your first big things that's happened right out of uh, high school and into college. Like, yeah, so you, you've landed a great job. You've landed a, 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 a business. So you did it. Like that, that's like <laughs> yeah. all, all you want to do is when you get out of uh, college is to get yourself a good job and you got yourself a good business. But like if, you know, if, if, if it didn't go that way, if you had instead gotten, you know, uh, a job at Al's record store. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I, just some background on myself, I guess. I mean, I've always been someone who's very motivated to work. Um, I had my first job uh, as Young as I could legally have one, which I think was uh, 14 or 15 in the state of Texas. And I, um, you know, you've, you're under some like weird restrictions at that age because mm -hmm. child labor laws and stuff. But as well, they probably should. Yeah. 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 I, I worked at um, the Rangers ballpark, Texas Rangers ballpark in Arlington for a little bit. Um, I worked at a um, birthday party venue for little girls, which is actually <laughs> Still the most fun job I've ever had. Really? Okay. Um, I that can had, either be a nightmare or the best thing Yeah, ever, yeah. I had to go to work in, um, like, the uniform was, like, the t-shirt of the place, uh, black leggings, and a tutu. And then you spray yourself with glitter. And, uh, you... <laughs> have you? All right, all right. You and know, you if teach, you say so. You teach little girls, like, dances and stuff, which is not my forte. I don't know how to dance. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing I got hired to do specifically was they do like a little runway show for the for the little girls they dress up in like you know princess outfits or mm -hmm, whatever mm -hmm. they want to dress up in they get their hair and nails done and everything and then they walk down the runway and I got hired because I was not afraid of like being a goofball on the mic 
Yeah, as okay. As the girls were going down the, the runway. So, you know, be like, here comes Jessica. Her favorite <laughs> animal is a pony, and she loves the color pink. Everyone give it up for Jessica. So, um, You'd be a DJ. A, yeah, it was yeah. a very fun job. Um, then I got a job at a, uh, a restaurant. I, as a high schooler, was not allowed to be, like, a real manager, but, like, I clearly was... I, I was... I, I just always had this, like, weird... Mm-hmm compulsion in me that kelsey I'm, running shit i'm God very damn. thankful that i have whatever this brain thing is um <sighs> and uh yeah i was like i just you know i want to do more i want responsibilities i want to work hard and i want to like be able to provide for myself and so um you know did that for a few years till i was out of high school um and then yeah pink gorilla was my my first job in seattle um i had seen it before i had visited seattle in like 2009 or so yeah um and when it was still pink godzilla it, no it, w- it was pink gorilla okay all right. um i never saw it as pink godzilla unfortunately i think that was my first trip to seattle was in like 2008 or 2009 um and you know i like i loved the store so much that i took pictures inside of it which is why there's very <laughs> cute photos of me in the store from like that long ago now um, oh is that like on the on the instagram page if yeah. i scroll all the way to the bottom yeah yeah I, when i bought the business i was able to do like a side by side of me with the star oh, really? fox statue when i was like 15 oh the star fox and statue. the star me with the star fox statue as you know the new business owner so um yeah it was i definitely didn't think like owning a store was anything i wanted to do i did want to be a manager because again i just i like the challenge and i like the um I don't know. I like pushing myself with that kind of stuff. And I really enjoyed learning about the scene, you know, lifelong gamer, obviously, but like Mm -hmm. specifically the retro gaming market and scene and that sort of thing was, um, you know, not something I was super in tune with before that, but I just, I devoured it. I loved it. Yeah. Um, And uh, yeah, that's something I even really knew existed. Right. Until even like, when YouTube. you were buying them, probably. Yeah. Right? I, I, like, <laughs> when I was in Alaska, I thought it was just me and my dumb friends mm-hmm. were still the ones who were, you know, still too were going to college and paying for it. Because if you're a resident, it is it's cheap. It's it's affordable, but not cheap to go to college. Yeah. So we would just we would go to Value Village and buy Nintendo games and play them. That was a cheaper alternative. Yeah. I thought it was literally just our dumb friends until the angry video game nerd. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, and until you know, uh, until like the mid 2000s maybe even later like it really was just some guys who liked atari in vegas you know like there was, yeah. there was the one show in vegas and uh it was a while before it started and you know catching on that's one reason why i never collected atari games because even when i got into it if you could find atari games they're always really expensive yeah. for some reason yeah they were they've never you feel like you'd be able to find you know uh a combat or et for a nickel but like no i was able to even find combat was expensive it was that's yeah anytime i found wild. yeah it's it, it was <laughs> but that's always how it is like eventually then nes games got really expensive but no one knew anything about ps1 games and then the you know yeah. the, the bracket kind of moves up it's and up, always, and up. Just all, the key is to always be one step ahead of everyone else yeah, yeah. I, I i got a handful of wii u things right before all that got yeah. really expensive but there yeah. was a time when i you know i got like zombie u and uh tokyo mirage for you know a couple of bucks yeah, there's not much left, I think, to be super ahead of the curve on. But um, if you want, if you want the pro tip, it's like Xbox 360 right now. It's- yeah. <laughs> um, but but it's also like a lot of those are like available digitally, right? Probably better on Game Pass or Steam. But who knows what the future holds for? Yep. Keeping any of that stuff around. Well, um, then I gotta ask, where does YouTube fit into all this? Um. Yeah. So I, I mean. 
Because you're also a YouTuber, hundred thousand plus subs already. Yeah. Like so. Let me well, let me finish your first the oh, first question okay. here, Sorry. which is what else would I would be doing? So I was going to college because I um what I thought I wanted to do was either sports marketing um or later on because I'm actually believe it or not I don't think many people know this about me um really love sports uh huge yeah. baseball fan especially um really I, wanted, I, was, I was shocked to find that about you yeah, yeah. <laughs> wanted really wanted to work for a baseball team. Um, and just do like I liked again, I like businessy stuff. So I was like oh, marketing or something like that. You know, I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I uh, that's what I went to school with the intention of doing um, as I started really loving what I was doing at Pinkerilla, um I was like, well, why would I not just do this for the video game industry? And I have some family in the sports industry. So it especially I was like, well, I don't want there to be any like nepotism here whatsoever. Um, so I am going to. I'm going to give that up and I'm going to go Ooh. to something I like even, I mean, I like it even more. How like, the family feel about that? Oh, totally fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was not it's like. It's not like a, we're not like a 100% sports family or mm-hmm. anything. It's just that like, I did have a few connections over there that I could have used if I needed to. Your parents and... weren't putting you to bed and be like, you're, yeah. you know, <laughs> you're going to be a baseball No, no, absolutely To not. life. Yeah. No, that happened more to my brother, but. Uh, <laughs> Walk into um, you, it's like, what are you playing? Earthbound, Ken Griffey Jr. are not in this house, miss. <laughs> My first uh, original Game Boy games were baseball and Super Mario Land, so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we always, whenever I see him at uh, conventions, I always uh, uh, tease uh, Norm because <laughs> he did a video on, on baseball and he was like, now available for the, uh, I think it's like baseball, now available for the Game Boy. And I was like, what do you mean now available, Norm? <laughs> when you were reviewing that game, it was like 10 years old. What do you mean now available? <laughs> um, yeah, so I was planning on doing something in the game industry after that. Um, I Just probably the same thing, like PR, marketing, events. Mm. I ended up really liking events, just doing them through Pink Gorilla a lot. Um, I even did briefly have a couple of jobs uh, that were just, they were more like gig jobs, um, but did some contract marketing and event work for a couple of different companies mm. for game So like do, doing stuff. gig doing those but not really being a part of them. You I like, mean I w- the the grind of kind of being in it is is different when you're on the other side of the glass kind of a thing. Yeah, I mean I was I I liked both of those things that I did. I worked for one company called Lady Killer and um their video game contract was Larian Studios, so Divinity Original Sin. So we did like oh, their okay. booths for several events. And, um, you know, it was, it was what got me to like PAX East and uh, a couple of other shows that I hadn't been to before. Nice. Um, I really did enjoy that. It was, you know, putting together social media copy. It was um, hiring people to work the booth. I mean, you know, that that kind of stuff. And it was it was totally fine. I would totally accept a job doing that again. Um, the other one was um, for a company that contracts with Microsoft, and it was a uh, Forza esports event. And Ooh. that's why I say Forza like an asshole, by the way, is because, uh, uh, you know, it's supposed to Forza. I say Forza. I mean, I've always kind of put the T in there. Oh, okay. Are you then not, you're are, an are asshole you not too. supposed it's to? Great. Okay. I, I, um, I'm an asshole. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's just like, that's the proper way to say it, but like most people don't, and that was really beaten into I me mean, there. I mean, to be fair, I always <laughs> say it as Forza Horizon because I don't give a shit about normal Forza. <laughs> yeah, this was this was normal Forza. So um, boring. Yeah, it was. I mean, again, I liked all of that work. I would probably continue doing some of that, but okay. um, after you know, 
owning the business. I was doing a little bit of that stuff on the side even when I did own the business. But after a while, I was just like, no, I actually, I like this. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need to have um, a, like, corporate video game industry job to enjoy what I'm doing. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to run the business. And then um, the Video Game History Foundation stuff came along. I was never planning on that to be my, uh, well... I, I was always hoping that could be my full-time job, mm-hmm. but, you know, even now we're still pretty cash-strapped, and it's like, it was one of those things where I'm like, look, I just, I want to do as much work as I can possibly yeah. volunteer, and, you know, maybe 10 years down the line, there's <laughs> there's room for me, and uh, it worked out better than that. Thing you're the, you were the second. Yeah. Well, I guess you're the first real employee, if you count, like, Frank, since he established it. Yeah. So. I am the first non-founding employee. There you go, Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we had a question uh, in the chat, and this kind of goes back to what you were talking about maybe a little bit ago with business and stuff. But I don't know if this is maybe a too hot of a topic, but just like, did the water games, uh, that price pump, did that affect Gorilla? A lot of the kind of like, you know, Mario 64 box going for $1.5 million, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so my hot take is that the water stuff is not affecting normal game collecting nearly as much as everyone thinks um it just so happened to happen at exactly the same time as the pandemic when people were spending a lot more money on their hobbies um and people were you know i mean some people absolutely needed it but some people were getting those checks when they were still holding their job and so it was just kind of bonus cash that um, i mean for a lot of people just went straight back into the economy just they just spent it on their um on their hobbies which is awesome and it was great for us yeah um but all of that was happening at essentially the same time and my opinion is that it is way more like the rising prices have way more to do with the increased interest in video game collecting as a hobby yeah um and but especially the, the very the high end part of it though like the super yeah. collector a- aspect that's ballooned incredibly oh and, totally and maybe wada is just sort of like a part of that not the cause of it i mean i think wada is a big cause of of mm. that part of it i okay. think these are just almost two separate markets happening in parallel where there's where there's some minor intersections i'm not going to deny, deny that there's like no intersections yeah. i mean certainly really nice pristine copies of popular games those prices have been adversely affected by um great the graded video game craze Mm -hmm. um but anything below that really i feel like is a separate market inflation problem like it's it's just that there's way more people coming in and the supply certainly is not increasing the supply is decreasing rapidly um with many more people coming into to you know, want to collect. So, yeah, the high-end stuff, absolutely. I mean, if you were the person who before WADA was collecting sealed games, or even, I will admit, even if you were just collecting the most pristine copies of popular games, um, yeah, you you got totally screwed by that happening. But if you are collecting anything other than that, um, what you're getting screwed by is not WADA, but just a mass increase in people. Yeah. Um, coming into this hobby and spending more money on this hobby. In, in my experience, Panzer Dragoon Saga has always been a very expensive game, and that's never right. really changed. You know, and it's actually not that much more expensive 
than it ever has been comparatively. Mm-hmm. Like there have been much bigger price jumps than than that one. Like that like, was an expensive Earth, game. Earthbound, I'm sure, has gone up a lot. Earthbound, but again, that's maybe a doubling. Um, and I, I mean, like think it, of something like Tulip, which was like a twenty dollar game, uh, not crazy long ago, like maybe four or five yeah. years ago, and it's like an almost two hundred dollar game now. You know, yeah, I'll actually, I would say like, yeah, Silent, all the Silent, any basically any Silent Hill game, physical, uh, is pretty expensive. It's really funny for me as um, just since I've been working at Pink Gorilla for 10 years now, um, I like watching the very real price rise happening through um, the way we display our games. So like it, it's a big deal every time something moves from g- being a game. We have two ways of displaying games at, at Pink Gorilla. Mm-hmm. There's, um, we hang them on the wall, which is kind of like a Japan style way of doing yeah. it in little poly bags. Um, or if they're past a certain price threshold, they go in a case. Yes. So it's been very weird watching things like Silent Hill. You know, I used to hang up on the wall and now it goes in. You know, the first time I had to put Silent Hill in the case, I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, so that's that's a um, I don't know, a very like physical way of feeling the market. <laughs> mm, that's I feel like, though. Sometimes I look at the glass case and I'm like, really? Like 200 bucks for that? But when I see Silent Hill 2 and I'm like, you know, if you're going to spend 150, 180, 200 dollars on a game, make it a really good one like Silent Hill 2. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just two totally different schools of thought, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, are you buying games that you like really want to play or are you going to emulate whatever you want to play and you just want like cool collectible things? Because yeah. there are games like way, 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 way rarer than, than Earthbound, than Panzer Dragoon Saga. I mean... Obviously, neither of those sold in any huge quantity, but like there are games that sold so, so, so much less than that. I yeah. mean, I have I, there is a Wonderswan game in my collection that sold a hundred and twenty copies. Oh, that wow. is a, That's all they made was one hundred and twenty of them. So like was it like the sewing kit or the <laughs> <laughs> the, the pregnancy trackers? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the sewing machines, the Game Boy. Let's be OK. Clear so here. Yeah, do you know, um, and, we, we, and we talked about this like before, like just the weird video game stuff. It's like not really a video game it's just like using the nintendo or the game boy or whatever as like just kind of a, a shitty little computer yeah that is my favorite type of video game. i mean that's that's the part of video game history that probably fascinates me the most mm-hmm. is anytime video game technology is intersecting with something that is very not video game and mm-hmm. like they're using the video game technology to accomplish something that is extremely not video game isn't there a uh it's like a maybe a GameCube or a Game Boy Advance, um, like blood testing machine for people that have like uh, uh, like high to t- 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 test their um, you know, the blood sugar levels. Yeah, yeah. So um, there is one for the DS and there's one for the Game Boy Advance. Mm. Uh, it's called the Gluco Boy on the Game Boy Advance. <laughs> it's a good name. Um, it's a fascinating story. Um, you will never see a Gluco Boy. Uh, they ended up only released. I mean, it's a very long story that I won't get into here, but essentially, it was launching they were only able to find a partner in australia to launch it and like kind of right as they were launching it bayer bought them out Mm. so very few actually made it anywhere and then bayer is who made the nintendo ds one so the nintendo ds one is still pretty rare but like that's a very large medical company you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so they made much more of those and i have 
in my entire life. I have, I have a video on my YouTube channel about the Gluco Boy, and um, at the time, I had never seen one. Mm-hmm. There were a couple photos online, but yeah. I had never seen a person claim to have one. And uh, like, kind of recently, a few months ago, finally, some Australian guy was like, "Oh my god, I had one of these. I, I was a diabetic kid, and yeah. like, they gave this to me through the hospital." And so, it wasn't like a thing like funded through like hospitals or some kind of state program, nope. thing like that. Nope. I mean, he got out some outside funding for it, but it was uh, not like it wasn't something commissioned by a hospital. It was a guy who had a diabetic son who was always lose, mysteriously losing his blood glucose monitor, um, but always knew where his Game Boy was. And that's yep. uh, that was kind of the impetus behind it. He was like, I, I want to, I want kids to want to do this, and yeah. they're never like you can't tell a kid, hey, care about your health. That doesn't yeah, mean yeah. anything to a child. So you know, how can you make them care about their health? That's smart. You, know, <laughs> you, you could ground that kid, or you can go, wait a minute, I'll just you know, yeah, I'll, I'll work with I, I, judo. Use the your momentum against you, and <laughs> it's. I mean, that's the whole promise of edutainment, and uh, you know, works to varying degrees depending mm-hmm. on. If yeah. you're like Oregon Trail or you are, um, I don't know, Packy and Marlon or Captain Novalin or something. But I mean, what are those last two? What? I've never, I've... Uh, they're both Super Nintendo games. Are they really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, you just totally. Packy and Marlon is what led me down my path of being fascinated by weird, like these, just these weird or... intersections of video game and not video game. Oh, okay. Um, it is, yeah, it is a platformer about. Uh, some elephants with diabetes and it's to teach kids about their diabetes while they play as some elephants so i think the reason why that is fascinating but i've never gravitated towards that because it feels like it's just unobche- it's unobtainable uh, it's it's i could never ha- i could never be in a position where i'd be able to like really own and play and appreciate those games in the same way that i can just look at a crazy port of doom and be like yes yeah, someone demanded that doom be on on the 32x <laughs> You know, or just like, and we, it sounds beautiful. Yeah, we need to have this <laughs> port of Crash Bandicoot Nitro Kart on every cell phone possible. That that intersection of like, you know, consumerism, capitalism says that we must have this game on this device, and then truly some of the best programming uh, development work in the history of video games are people working under those extreme, crazy. Uh, kind of limitations. Yeah, and they somehow have to make this Rugrats game work on a GBA. I think I think all of the best video game history stories are, um, they are either born out of like extreme capitalism or extreme not capitalism. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it's either like someone is forcing a really stupid thing to happen, or um, or I mean, stupid's a strong word, but like someone is forcing something to happen that like is clearly because they just think this is a really good money opportunity to happen yeah. or it's the opposite and it's someone who's just like I just really need to put this thing in the world and I don't really care if it makes money but that I feel like both of those poles are kind of where it's, the it's, good stuff happens and I also feel <laughs> not only is that interesting but it's in my image it's always just like a he's a room of talented people that can really get shit done and then here's some guy at the end of the room who just happens to have the money and he's chomping on a cigar and he's like, yeah. you got to make it work. <laughs> and I just think, think it's that, that like that I want to make content that appreciates those people that have to work under the positions of power. Yeah. And they, they're just they're talented people and they just got bills to pay. They got mouths to feed. You know, they're just they, they're doing what they can and they got to make these games work by five o'clock, you know. Uh, and I just like so often I just want to be like. 
it's such an internet thing to be like, look at this terrible game. And it's like, man, you don't realize the the, the level of stress. Oh yeah, no that they were put out. under to put to make this game and make it work. And they they no. fucking got it done, man. Yeah, no one sets out to make a bad game. That's one of my, that's one of my like, kind of mottos as I explore video game history. Is like everyone, and and that was really how I got into, um, you know, like I mentioned, Packy and Marlon was kind of what first inspired me. But like as I was trying to learn about these things, I felt like the only thing I ever saw was just people dunking on it. Yeah. You know, so like the Game Boy sewing machine, it was just people being like, haha, that's a dumb idea. And, um, you know, Gluco Boy, haha, that's a dumb idea. And it's like, well, people don't make things because it, they have a dumb idea. Yeah. Like, they, there's got to be a reason that this got set in motion. That, that, and that what is that like, reason? <laughs> even hearing you say that, it's like just kind of making me like, I'm like, I'm like recoiling a bit because that irritates me so much. Yeah. I'm sure you I, got that with the Zebo a lot too. People just yeah. being like, it's bad. And it's like, well, but, Hang on. <laughs> well, th- thankfully, by the time we got to Zebo, they're like, oh, Uncle Derek is going to talk about the Zebo when yeah. I, and I, I, it took a long time to kind of reach that point. But I, I, to me, when I feel people go like, oh, Gluco, the Gluco boy, what a dumb idea, LOL. I almost feel like it's a, there's an insincerity there that they're just saying that for clicks. Yeah, and y'all parroting the same things that yeah, the, the angry YouTubers have been saying. Y'all don't really give a shit about this. Y'all, I, yeah. I, and maybe they do. <laughs> Maybe they do. I can't speak to uh, everyone, but what just when people have that knee jerk reaction, like, oh, it's bad. I'm almost just like, you really saying that? Do you really? Can I just and for me, the thing I always chafe on is like, I actually do care about this stuff. And that's just kind of the big major difference between, uh, I don't know, I with how what, 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 what motivates me, I'll say. Yeah. I don't want to make a big claim, be like, nobody else cares. But it's like, ah, that was especially <laughs> in the early days of YouTube where it's like people are talking about these old Nintendo games, but no one's talking about like. These really good ones, you know, everyone's just trying to find the worst ones and shit on them. It's like, y'all ain't talking about Metal Storm, you know, like Metal Storm is so good. I mean, that's you've been on YouTube for a really long time. So that's uh, (laughs) I I do feel like that was the the prevailing discourse for a really long time. And and maybe I I don't even know if that's still the discourse or if it's all just uh, collecting related now. But um that's I I feel like it's kind of if you are going to be a very negative kind of a situation, you need to really you got to really bring the jokes. Right. Um, Or you've moved on to like something deeper, like, you know, politics or something like that. Yeah. Like that, that, that the, the goalpost has shifted. If you, I think if you are just going to be angry at media. That game has changed so much. Yeah. And it's never been something I've been really it just cared much about. It just gets old eventually, you know, like because. Yeah. I mean, it just goes back to what we said. It's like, no one sets out to make a bad product. So what happened here is infinitely no. more interesting than, and that's wow, I, this is so bad. Can you believe how bad this is? And, and, I, I th- <laughs> and that's why I kind of, I've always had this uh, adoption of like, I really don't care about good and bad. It's interesting and uninteresting. And in fact, I think what makes bad media interesting is when it is sincere. Right. And I always talk about like The Room. It's like The Room is a movie that is like, I think we can say objectively terrible. Like we can actually, uh, I think that you were, there is objectively bad art. There might not be objectively good art, but I think we can probably all as a society agree that there, like as a culture, there's some things that are just objectively bad, but that movie's amazing. And what makes that movie amazing, what makes movies like in that, that special club amazing is the filmmakers behind it believed in it. Yeah. They thought that this script was like this, th- th- they really believed in the characters saying these things and doing this stuff. They really thought this was the best place to put the camera. That that was the best time for that cut, you know, um, and you look at it and it's that's why it's difficult to uh, do it insincerely. 
that's why like Tim and Eric and a lot of Adult Swim stuff is like kind of hit and miss or really not everyone's thing. Because I think a lot of Tim and Eric sketches or Eric Andre sketches, they found ways to do that type of media insincerely, but still make it work. Right. And but to, to, to get back on my topic of just it's that's what makes it interesting. And to me, that's what makes it good. Um, and I just don't care about like shitting on things that are bad to me. Like most things are bad, right? Sure. <laughs> so that's and, the, to I point mean, out something is bad. It's like, what I just, you're not doing anything. And, and sometimes there's like some good points in that. I mean, I'm not a big movie person, but um, I do sometimes watch the channel. Your movie sucks. And I think that he does a very interesting job of pointing out like weird things that I would not have noticed. Cause I'm not a movie person. Mm-hmm. So there's some things. And I mean, you know, we're we're sort of dancing around it, but like AVGN did that too, where it's like, oh, yeah. I didn't realize, wow, that is a really bad design choice and I wouldn't have caught that. And you do have to have like a certain level of skill to be able to articulate some of those things. Yeah. And th- that can be interesting. It's and, just and, that I'm more interested in the, well, how the hell did it happen this way? And than- I also like, it's, you know, I do think you have to say that like, yeah, James did it better than anybody else. Oh, totally. And I've always said that like the, the, the veil that he's, cast over all of us when we watched his earlier videos and when i can do that too is he was a he was a he was a he was fresh out of film school and yeah. we were a bunch of well, like he was like trying really hard too like but he also well, not only, he was trying hard and he knew what he was doing he right. knew how to use a camera he knew how to edit it was very it was like you're we were all very bunch, sincere too you know? we were a bunch of knuckleheads <laughs> with webcams that had no clue what the hell we were doing so um he still like was he tapped into something very perfectly and he was the perfect guy to do it but I, I honestly was, you know, for me, just as much inspired by him as I was by his imitators. Because I really liked, because it was like James was really the one and everybody else sucked. <laughs> I mean, there were so many imitators and I would say like there was maybe less than five other people that even came close to having the talent that he did. Um, um, not, of course, not including myself in that because I was trying to do something so vastly different. But like I was inspired by like, man, everyone just is doing the same thing they're cursing even more right and they're they're even more exaggerated yeah this guy took his tv out and then he took a pickaxe and he destroyed it whoa you know so wacky it's like it's yeah and it was just like so boring to me honestly and i just the idea for happy video game nerds like i need to do this before somebody else does it because it's it's not that clever of an idea it really isn't (laughs) but it still broke some ground yeah hey guys we can be positive about this instead Mm -hmm. But also, I have to say that, like, a lot of those negative people, you know, probably got way more money than me. <laughs> so they also, maybe they also knew something that I didn't. You know, it's like, it took me, you know, hey, it took me 10 years to get that 100K, but uh, I did it my way. So that's, that's, you know, what else can you say? I mean, I don't, the YouTube landscape from when you started and from when I started are just two completely, totally. Oh, yeah. I don't beasts. even know how you how you start. I don't even know how you start anyway. Cause I came out of the gate with this parody idea and I almost didn't even, I never even needed to promote myself until I found that as a huge issue. When I started stop skeletons and fighting, I never needed to promote myself really because people would just, I get a lot of angry clicks, just the name happy video. Game right. They go, what? And that yeah. would get people in. When I removed that, suddenly I had to really, I was on my own Yeah. and videos would do well for like 24 hours and then just plummet. That first year in 2015 was like, 2015, 2016 were both really tough years to kind yeah. of get things back up. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, and I came in at a like, I, I mean, I I basically cheated. I I won't. <laughs> I will be the first to admit. I mean, that. everyone. I, oh, I was 
So I did I, my... in a sense. Like, I cheated as well, you know? Yeah, no, slightly more, like, I would say your way has more integrity than what mine did. And to be clear, like, I wasn't trying to cheat because I was trying to win YouTube. I mean, you guys probably know I literally don't even do YouTube anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I, I still really like it as a format. It's just, believe it or not, doesn't fit very well into my life with uh, this many jobs going on. But, yeah. um... I don't think no, anybody I, I... who knows you well, like, well enough... Is like, why is she doing YouTube anymore? Yeah, She's a I little feel busy. I bad about it. I really, I, I did enjoy it. I mean, I especially enjoyed the research, but, um, yeah. but I started off just as sort of like, you know, someone who had been very close to the retro game market. Um, and Jason Metal Jesus Rocks wanted to have me on his channel because he's also in Seattle and mm-hmm. he was going to the Seattle store and I would, you know, talk to him in the store and stuff sometimes. I didn't, I didn't watch like any of his content, so I was not like a fan boy at all yeah um and uh i don't know i don't know if that helped or, or hurt or anything but i you know just he had he's a man who works hard i don't think he's yeah got, totally i don't know that he's much of an ego no 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 as much as just like a ethic on that man yeah. work ethic on that man so he asked me to be on the channel to talk about some things that he you know were like weak spots for him so like pokemon collecting i think was the first video we did and we mm-hmm. did one on animal crossing at one point and um like the DS, and I'm, I'm a big handhelds person, so mm-hmm. I did some DS stuff with him, the Vita. Um, I did some things that were relevant um, in my store, which was like teach how to um, spot counterfeit games, you yeah. know, reproduction games, that sort of thing. So that's still his biggest video? It's it? Yeah, it's yeah. up there. It's but couple, that's a really, couple million views. That's, a, that's good. a good topic, though. Yeah. yeah. Um, a couple times I've like given, I've traded games into you, and you've like opened up the cartridges to see if they were fake. I'm like, I mean, I, don't I bought really, that from, from I in Alaska in '96. I be trust at that. you completely, and I know where they all came from. So it's, no, do it's, what you gotta do. It's, it's your business. It's just a precaution. Absolutely. But like, yeah, there's no way you're trading me in anything that's mm-hmm. not authentic. It's just, it's something I'm like, you know, I try to teach the employees to do it too. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I started appearing on his channel, and then. You know, it was around this time that I was, again, trying to... I was just really fascinated by, like, well, okay, this is a weird game, but, like, rather than clowning on it, like, why did this get made? Why? What? How did all of this stuff happen? Um, and so I decided, you know, hey, maybe I'll start my own channel and see how that goes. And I just started covering... Um, you know, I did some deep dives into video game history. I mean, my very first couple of videos are are very bad, as I'm sure everybody else's are. Yep, yep. Um, is what it is, though. <laughs> yeah, but as I started doing more like researched stuff, I mean, I feel like it got. I, I'm, I don't go back and watch them because it terrifies me. But when I have, I've been like, oh yeah, this still holds up. Like my research is pretty pretty darn solid there. I did a lot of work on this. Um. And it was just, I, I really loved telling these stories. And most of my videos were things like, you know, the Game Boy sewing machine or yeah. the Gluco Boy or um, what else did I do? Well, also like doing those types of topics, doing something different. It's a gamble. Sometimes that really takes off and people are super interested in it. Otherwise, so, sometimes they're like, that's no one's searching. Yeah, for but no I was, cares. I mean, I was but... not doing it at all to make money, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, a luxury that I had. <laughs> it's a good position to be in. Yes. <laughs> so I was like, I want to do content about the things that I want to research. So um, I did one on like the Super Nintendo Entertainment bike, um, yeah, the yeah. Sharp NES TV, you know, a couple of those things that I thought um, Norm did a video on on the Sharp TV. So that one had been done before. But mm-hmm. the other ones, there were really not anything out there that had been done to any amount of depth. Like they yeah. were very surface level. And so I was like, well, I want to dig deep on these and, and tell these stories. Um 
So I loved doing it. It worked out pretty well for me. But I mean, the reason I hit 100,000 subscribers was because I had already been prominently featured on a channel much larger than mine. Mm-hmm. So my my growth trajectory is not a realistic one for anyone starting out without this. That's why I say I cheated. I mean, yeah. it was, I feel like I made good content. I'm proud of most of the content yeah, I made. Yeah. But good content alone is not what equals success on Unfortunately, YouTube. Unfortunately, no, so. that's not the case, no. <laughs> it was, for me, it was a absolute mix of, um, you know, luck and being kind of helped out by someone already established and good content. Because you can't, like, if everything on my channel was complete bullshit, it would not have taken off at mm. all. Like, it, yeah. I would get, you know, some subscribers just from anyone who's like, yeah, I've seen her over there, but like... The videos themselves would not perform very well, and it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't. It wasn't gone sol- very Yeah, it well. wasn't solely the Metal Jesus. Bomb. Yes, it was. Yeah. but that is the like amplifier through which my content ran. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it, I didn't just put it out into the world. It went through like a nice little megaphone that, mm. <laughs> yeah, that helped. And also, I apologize if like it sounds like our microphones are getting bumped a lot. Dollop is just like she just, she's just pacing. She's just on one right now. Yeah, you doing all right, girl? Yeah, what's going on, girl? <laughs> she's adorable yeah um anyway so you know that's i think we have some more questions sure and uh we try and just do about an hour and we're at 50 ish minutes cool. so um hey Derek, grace and kelsey any chance the recertified classic series might come back i just watched your silent hill 2 one and i love seeing you dig into one game with that much detail stop keep stopping them skeletons um <laughs> The recertified classics, that that's that's a that's a show I used to do, um, where it was basically it was a review and a research history uh, type show. I really like the title because it's it's R E and then colon certified classics. Mm, so it's it. like Ray certified. Yeah, I always thought that was a really clever title. That was a show that we did when, frankly. Uh, the first set of videos in 2015 weren't really performing well. And you needed to do something like really hard. I to- was trying to, I was like, well, honestly, what, the first few videos of Stop Skeletons were straight up happy video game nerd scripts that were either completely finished or nearly finished. Okay. Uh, and I thought that's all I needed to do. And they, again, like the first 24 hours of all the Stop Skeletons, they always did way better than any HVGM video did 24 hours, but then it, they did not have any kind of shelf life. Uh, but the first episode, first uh, research was for Symphony of the Night. And I was just like, how, if I was going to cover a really well-known game, uh, how would I do it? And so I thought, like, I'll do this uh, show where you talk about the history and then what what aspect of, the sh- well, of this game is, like, so legendary and what made it such a classic. And th- does it still hold up? And um, they didn't really move the needle either. And the Silent Hill 2 one, I recall, there's... YouTube is weird. So the Silent Hill 2 research, we did it uh, in tandem with the um, what, we, what we ended up calling uh, Let's Get Spooked, the Historical Society breakdown video. And that video did way better uh, than, than the, uh, the research and took way less time. It's kind of similar to uh, the first Doom ports punching weight video uh, I did in tandem to a, a Doom 16 review. Uh, the punching weight video took way less time, did tremendously better. <laughs> uh, and it's just like, okay, well, this is where the views are. This is just like, all right, this is just. I feel like whenever I have 
attempted to do something kind of popular-ish or trendy-ish uh, in a moment of desperation, it's never quite worked out. And I think that Past Mortem is, a, I think, a more popular and a better show than Recertified Classic. And Punching Weight is something I have just more passion for. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I did a mention in those videos like, oh, we, we can maybe do this game and do this game too. I was just kind of putting feelers out there to try and see if anybody was interested. And um, yeah, I don't think that show will, will be coming back though. It's just not a format I'm really interested in. But uh, I have said that about, about, and I feel bad kind of complaining about our numbers and stuff because um, I have always been extremely fortunate to have people watch. Even when like a video was coming out, it's like, oh man, it only got 20,000 views. It only got 40,000 views. Uh, people would kill for those kinds of numbers. Oh yeah. So um, I feel weird bitching about that stuff. I, I always say well, the that- The reality is that like you do, this is your career mm-hmm. and you have to, it has to make yeah. financial sense. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Come on. She's no, pacing yeah. so much. It's it's yeah. It's it's one thing to have a hobby. It's not that to be like, all right. Well, this is my bills are. <laughs> I'm putting my yeah. my 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 financial my entire financial uh, uh, stability on these things. Um, and I, I say that like I've never been a big channel, but I've been lucky to have never been a small one either. Yeah. I kind of came out, been solid in the middle, but I guess now that we're at 300k, I'm technically a big channel now. It's weird. I don't know what. <sighs> I mean, certainly in this type of content, you are, but, you know, there's probably, like, makeup reviewers who do, like, literally 20 times better than you yeah. and are, like, still not the biggest makeup reviewer. So it's, it's I, I also think it's, like, a, a, you know, a matter of niche, because um, Metal Jesus, for, for instance, I don't think he, he doesn't even have a million yet, right? I say doesn't even, but the, the point is... Uh, that there are other like types of content where there's tons of people with over a million subscribers. And I would say that he is probably the most popular one and doesn't yeah. have a million. And also, also that's, that's here's, all I'm getting here's, at. here's like the, 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 the true, the true secret. It's like subscribe. A lot of these numbers don't count. A lot of, a lot of these numbers are straight up. Don't count. Like the amount of people, not that like, you know, it's like people, it's like I saw an article, something along the lines of like, you know, Elon Musk has like, you know, 100 million uh, uh, followers on Twitter, but it's like approximately what, like 30% of those, maybe more, are bots. Right. And well, and like your interactions are probably, you know, a, a teeny tiny percentage of that. I mean, I, I have a fair amount of Twitter followers and yeah, my... I'm I'm lucky if a tweet is like one fiftieth of my oh, <laughs> followers, yeah, exactly. you know. Well, that is also yeah. Oh yeah, I have three hundred thousand subs. Therefore, every video needs to have three hundred thousand views. Yes, you know. Yeah, it's uh. I've also had that channel for fifteen years now, and it's like, yo, some of the people that probably clicked subscribe in two thousand seven. They don't even have a channel. They've anymore. lost their yeah. channel. They lost. Some of them might be dead, man. Yeah. I don't even know. I've... Like a lot can happen in fifteen years. So, uh, if you have three hundred thousand subscribers. Absolutely, some of them have died. Yeah, you that's, know, that's like not, that's sad. Just, but that's <laughs> mathematically well, speaking. But also, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, I mean, it's like, yeah, I've I've been able to do this for as long as I have been because I've had people that believed in me and supported me. You know, yeah. Even like day one, the first video, people were like, "I get what you." I would get. I was getting suggestions for for future videos right away. And I remember somebody told me Metal Storm was the first video I ever did. They're like, I went out and bought Metal Storm because of your video. And it was and probably like 
ten dollars. It was probably like ten thirty. Yeah, ten to thirty bucks or so. Um, <laughs> That's an expensive retro game. Uh, Metal Jesus is at eight hundred and eighty-three. Yeah, he's he's getting there. But I mean, that, come on, Jason. Again, it's pick it up, man. Come on, bro. It's a testament to like this is technically a niche. It's a pretty large one, but yeah, like video game content specifically, more like retro video game content and mm-hmm. game collecting and game history and all of that. It is a niche. Um, and I've had to, sh- and, the, and also just the, the taste of, within that niche has changed. I've had to yeah. re, you know, again, like I came out, I came in 2015 with like a 2013 playbook and found out, I had to find out like, in real time, like, oh, this is not working. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> the the game has changed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you, I'm sure you can, I'm sure you get this too, where like, you don't get recognized in public, but if you are in a video game store oh, yep. or if you are at a video <laughs> oh, yeah, game I, convention. When I go to Pink Gorilla, oftentimes yeah. I get I get recognized. Yeah. yeah, it's like you have to be in the correct context for you to be like a famous person. Yeah. But in the correct context. A famous person. Oh, that's such a weird. I, yeah. I mean, famous but, in the niche, right? That's yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Internet uh, famous. That's what that's all about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Any other questions? I got a couple more here. Let's see. We asked that one earlier. Oh, here's a good one. Um, I'm going to assume you are both A, aware of the existence of a game called Kaze no Regret, which is Winds of Regret, and B, the desire to cover it. With all that in mind, was there ever a serious attempt to do uh, that, including the Kenji Eno retrospective for a punching weight? Uh, and did you, or did you just, was the game's design too great an obstacle to overcome? So Kaze no, <laughs> Kaze no Regret is a Kenji Eno joint. Uh, it is a game made for the blind. It is a Japanese game made for the blind. Is this the one that came with a packet of seeds? Oh, yeah, it totally is. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It is not the one that came with a condom. <laughs> that was a different one. No, but no, uh, the packet of seed ones. It's, it's fascinating. As a, as a matter of fact, <laughs> I think it was 2019, the last time we were at Portland Retro, uh, somebody, we had to do a, uh, um, we, we had to, we did a a, a signing, a, a, like a booth um, uh, signing thing. Oh, um, I'm not famous. An, an autograph section. Uh, <laughs> we were, you know what? We we had the we had the autograph section. We were next to Arlo. Oh, guess whose line was bigger? Yeah, but, well, it's that's fair. But honestly, I, 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 it's fine. I don't care. Um, uh, eight people again. I make my videos for if, if eight people are happy. I'm like, I'm doing it for the balcony. You know. Yep. Um, somebody actually said they saw Kaze No Regret, and that was like, you know, oh cool, yeah. But that's like, you know, it's a Japanese game. It's all audio. Like, what are we gonna do? You know. Yeah. She came back and bought it and gave it to us. Oh, all right. So, does it have the seed packet though? I don't believe so. Shoot, it's up there. Bummer. I have to go pull it down. I real think quick. I see it. Yes, yeah, blue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, man. Talking to bringing up Kenjiano games. That man was just an enigma. Uh, just, just a mad scientist of a of a person. That's a man who. I'm not. His games weren't all great, but they were all brilliant. Like I, I, you know, I, I said of D two, only like a genius can make a game this gloriously bad, and it's not even bad. It's just like, man, this guy's got like you know three hundred level IQ kind of situation. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's it's it fails in a way that like only a brilliant genius could possibly do. Um, and it's it's such a shame that he passed away like in his forties, I believe. Um, because he could still be doing absolutely ridiculous shit like causing no regret. Yeah, a game for the blind. How amazing is that? Um, but yeah, that would be, oh, as a matter of fact, I saw this question and just happened to be on like Wikipedia and I found this game 
called like Kiki no surprise or something like that. But Kiku is the Japanese word for listen. And um, it's like a, it is a Japanese Wii game where you like listen to phrases and then you like answer questions. But it sounded like it just I saw this question and that happened to pop up on my uh, on Wikipedia. It's like, yeah, audio only games like are there any more of those? That that would be an interesting Ooh, topic right yeah. there. Yeah. I whew. I need to oh god, what was it? I was looking up Metroid. I don't know. There's you know what there's some really, really fascinating stuff on the um DS specifically in Japan. Um there's some kind of fascinating stuff on the DS here, but in Japan especially, I mean, they really embraced that whole like this is a pocket computer kind of thing and we're gonna yeah. make some weird applications for it. There's um Kiki Trick. That's what it was fine, man. Kiki Toriku. But sorry, I have cool. to interrupt you, but to get that right. Oh, yeah, just, um, you know, there, there's like relationship advice, quote unquote, games. I'm going to say games, but they're not really games. They're yeah, just, they're software. Yeah. Um, there's one for like looking at the constellations and like learning your and it's got like a um, like a gyroscope thing in it for <laughs> All positioning. Right. And yeah, um, it's like they did smartphones and the app store hadn't quite hit. Japan yeah. Yet. Yeah. There's, there's one is. for um, learning how to drive. There <clears throat> is uh, one for like parents and kids who have autism to like better communicate. Oh, OK. Um, like just really fascinating stuff. And I really wish, you know, my Japanese was anything yeah i mean i can so, oh we were talking about college earlier i actually have a bachelor's degree in japanese do you really yeah oh oh i, I knew that actually okay, yeah, yeah. That's... I, I i tell people it's like yeah i should know how to speak this language i don't at all yeah <laughs> and i graduated so long ago it's like all gone i'm sure some of it would come back but... no every once in a while like i'll watch an anime or watch enough oh, one time i was flown out to san francisco the one time i was like an influencer flown out somewhere to see uh, uh edf the latest EDF game. Cool. And I had an interview with the man and I was there with his translator and stuff. And I was like asking questions. And I was listening to him and I was catching like, like every fourth or fifth word, not enough to like really know what he was saying, but yeah. I, was like, I was like listening. I was like, oh, I can, I can almost, ki I can feel <laughs> like my brain is digging through yeah. leaves and twigs and like, oh, no, the, the, hold on, I have a Japanese knowledge here somewhere. I I'm kind of that way with Spanish now because I took Spanish for many years and I worked in a in a Mexican restaurant. So like had some, you know, exposure to it. So you naturally. were, you were a, a not manager and you were bilingual at this restaurant? Uh, I mean, bilingual-ish. Like yeah. it was one of those things where like I could... 80 90 percent understand them and then i could speak back but not as like you know mm -hmm. not as quickly or sometimes yeah. i'd have to like find a creative way to say something because i didn't know the actual word you know that's really the dish is i was i was in class and i was kind of reading books and practicing kanji but i was never there was not a, a conversational japanese class in my program oh really so I, it's like yeah oh that's so what the, yeah how the would helm? you ever get good at that if yeah exactly you can't do that's why that's actually why i got another degree because like i can't finish college with just this yeah um oh yeah now people in the chat are talking about like yeah there are two korg synth games mm -hmm. uh for the ds one of which i have there's and a stop smoking coach i, I pitched this I, okay so we like to do a poll a lot on the uh, patreon and maybe i didn't quite sell it correctly but i've always wanted to do you know Maybe this is just, I think it's interesting, but you know the idea of a casual game, right? Mm -hmm. But to me, like, yeah, the Korg or a Stop Smoking, to me, that's like extreme casual. It's not a game, it's software. Exactly. Like, it's not even casual game, it's just 
again, it's like the Game Boy well, sewing machine. Or it's like or there was, it's or it's just... like there was like a you know the 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 Bible on right. the original Game Boy. Right. Yeah. Um, there I, was also um, a like uh, English to Spanish dictionary, English to French dictionary. Yeah, there there's a, a whole a set travel. of them. There's like six or seven of them. It, yeah. was, a, it was a whole collection. Yeah, all those then, uh, info. Oh, info. I keep wanting to say infograms, not infograms. No. What is what is the name but of that? It, I don't know, but it's something like that. Yeah, <laughs> and like info games. I think is what it's is it info games. Called, but it can't be just that something. I I think it is. Whatever. But but yeah, the other out there. And especially with like the DS, it came back so hard. Like I, yeah. I have a, a a kanji dictionary for my DS. Yeah, uh, that's sixteen players. It says on the back, what? Uh, huh? And I, I, I like I, download and play maybe like so that anyone else who has a DS can. I would have ass- your- cause it's. I don't know if you've ever had to practice kanji, but like, you know, you have to looking up kanji is a nightmare. Um, and I didn't have that in college. I had a big fat textbook i had to figure out what the radical was and then work backwards and i man i used to know that yeah that sounds awful now nowadays you can um like even with the google translate app you can just like try to draw the kanji and yeah it's pretty good at figuring it out it's hard but like that that'll come up sometimes when um like in my uh job at the video game history foundation where we're trying to determine like you know where this thing came from and it'll have like someone wrote some kanji on it and it's like oh boy yeah handwriting kanji yeah, let's, see, let's worse, see if yeah. i can uh doctor's make, note style yeah let's see if here. i can make google figure out what this is mm-hmm. and you definitely can't just point the camera at it you gotta like redraw it carefully and see if it well if it's it not out. too daunting of a, of a translation job there are many people on you know very happy to quickly you know turn around translation for you yeah but yeah, yeah uh Sometimes it's just it's just quicker to be like, let's see if we can just figure this out real quick. But I guess to finish off that question, yeah, those types of weird games, uh, and you know, weird in in a loving way. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And I I honestly think that, gosh, ever since we kind of switched up the Patreon, we've been kind of doing larger and larger videos, and I do kind of miss just tackling smaller, weirder type stuff. And I think we do need to balance that out. But that's a different discussion. But you have you an know, open invitation to any of the weird stuff in my. I know, collection. I know. I need to. I need to like. <laughs> I, I, honestly, is that? Do you ever get the hankering for some random kind of thing? And you're like, I'm just gonna go to the store and see if they have it. And yeah, totally. Like, if something on the on the shelf or behind the glass, you're like, nah, I'm taking this. I own this. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. You know, I. I've been very careful in owning the store to not treat it like my personal collection because it gets very dangerous really fast. I'm very lucky that by the time I owned the store, I was already like fairly comfortable with what my collection was. And most of what I was still collecting was very focused. And it was like, you know, I was trying to get a full Wonderswan set. And it's like, well, the (laughs) store is not really getting any of that traded in. I'm going to have to go find those myself anyways. But um yeah, I, I do still occasionally, I mean, especially brand new games. Um, that is the perk of owning a video game store is like Live Alive just came out and so did uh, Xenoblade wh- Chronicles. And I was just like, yoink, I'll take both of those. Bye. When Elden, Elden Ring came out, <laughs> you tweeted one of the funniest tweets I've ever seen. You're like, firstiest first world problems ever. <laughs> My store doesn't have a copy of Elden Ring. And I really want to play it. Do I go and buy it from someplace else or do I just wait until my, cons- my yeah. store can get it? What did you end up doing? <laughs> Um, I think I did buy it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. Re- did I buy it? No, I actually can't remember. But yeah, yeah, that was, that is the dilemma I have sometimes when we either like our distributor can't get us a game or it just 
um, something like the Digimon game that just came out that sold out like instantly. So even if I had Digimon wanted, game came out, yeah, Digimon Survive, I think is what it's called. It's like a visual novel, mostly a visual novel. I no, nope, that um, was did not hear about that one. And it's one of those where, like, if you had given me a couple of days to think about, like, do I want that game or not, I might have said yes, but it sold out so quickly that, uh, so sometimes, you know, customers beat me to the draw. And also sometimes I don't, I just don't want to take it from the customers. I'm like, I don't actually need this right now. Yeah. I will play this later. I will wait till it's traded in later. Um, And, uh, yeah, I don't, I really don't add stuff to my collection very often anymore at Mm -hmm. this point. It's, it's very rare that I do. And. I would say at least 50% of what I add to my collection these days is when I go, um, when I travel, I try to visit other game stores. Yeah. And I you, I try not to leave empty handed. I try to buy something from them. So like anything. As, I, as, as, as a good faith, just to. Just, yeah. I want to, you know. I, I want to keep supporting local um, yeah. as long as like it's a pretty good store and mm. not like a clearly, you know, like, uh, I don't know. Like if, if everything's filthy and overpriced and the they're rude or something like it probably won't but you know yeah. anyone who clearly cares about their craft at any yeah, degree yeah. like i want to support game so, respect game yeah. yeah so i usually you know like uh i was just in new york and i went to uh, brooklyn video games and i bought a boxed copy of um oh i forget what it's called but it's like that capcom collection on game boy advance that's just like a handful of oh it's just like bionic commando and yeah like, yeah exactly um, yeah and it, you know it was like, like it's like the mega collection but it's just three games it's just three games yeah it's like final fight my final fight i do not need any of those games on the game boy advance yeah um i like oh and strider for the nes is one of those games and it runs even p- worse on that version i'm, I'm sure it does yeah i but yeah like i'm not I like having boxed Game Boy games, so it was one of those things where I was like, yeah, there's a not super expensive game that I might pick up and play someday. I but don't also, know. A Game Boy box is I quite love, small. I love the Game Boy box. Yeah, 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 it's a good one to travel with, too. So, yeah, most of the time when I'm... Because I, I just really am not adding to my collection very much anymore. Yeah. So, most of the time when I am adding, it is uh, because I spent the money at another game store. Or <laughs> it's a brand new game that came out that I just want to play so yeah. you know like live alive and xenoblade chronicles and that sort of thing how was have you had a chance to jump in the new xenoblade chronicles no i'm trying to desperately to finish live alive so i can oh, start okay. jrpg number two <laughs> i'm also still playing monster hunter sunbreak uh oh god so are you playing that no i i really liked monster hunter uh rise and i just i forget what it was i bounced off of it i actually uninstalled um uh, Elden Ring the other day. Yeah. I was just like, I, Oh, I'm I, never going to go back and finish it. I really loved it. Yeah. I loved what I played. I, you know, I got through maybe half of the story, probably less, if I'm yeah. being honest. I, I be, explored I, around, beat I, a bunch of small bosses. I just love walking around looking yeah. at everything. Had a great I, time. We'll never finish it. I had to, you know, I was like, <laughs> I have to play other games. Yeah. I, I'm still enjoying this, but like, I just, I have to do other stuff. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, it was like it was like forty something gigs on my Xbox. I was like, no, I got, I, I have to let it go. I have to let it go. And I actually felt so good to be like, oh, okay, you can just, play something else now. Yeah, exactly. Or download something else. Yeah, I'm just you know, uh, I'm game I, pass they, life. They got me. I know. They got it's me. So good. Mm-hmm. If I wasn't playing all of these Nintendo games right now, like that's where I had been living, and um, I don't finish anything on Game Pass, which is really bad. I started playing like Scarlet Nexus, and I liked it. I will mm-hmm. never finish it. Yeah. Uh, it's you know it's what you do is you play like house flipper which is a game you don't really ever finish yeah you know? yeah i can do the smaller experience stuff but yeah i mm. never finish anything on game pass but also 
I don't finish. It's pretty common that I don't finish a game. I feel yeah. like I try to finish most JRPGs because those are like clearly a story mm-hmm. and you want to. But even it, after but... that, it's like, you know, you finish a story, but there's always the optional side missions or. Right. New Game there's... Plus mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, yeah. So I, I, I try to finish things, but I would I would say I only finish like maybe 50 percent of games I even intend to finish. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's important that you experience them you know yeah Um, if i had a good time i'm happy you know i walk away i'm like great that was that was good or if a game sucks yo or if you if you are maybe this game sucks if you aren't enjoying the game yeah don't uh, this idea of like i'm if i quit now the game wins no you lose (laughs) no you keep losing no i'm an adult have fun i I respect my own time yeah exactly you know it's like i just if i'm not having a good time why would i keep doing because i think a thing that is fascinating about video games is it is a an entertainment medium that people feel yeah. like they have to be, they have to like defeat, and like they have to conquer. And I'm like, no, it's supposed to entertain you. If people that if it still has stopped entertaining you, then just stop. But uh, people that still like get platinum trophies. I don't yeah. know how y'all have the time. Yeah, I don't know how you do anything else in your lives. Even you... some of my favorite games, I just will never, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. It took me years to get the platinum in Bloodborne. I love that game, but like, it's still it, there's a handful of uh, trophies that are like, this is fucking stupid. Yeah, I will never get the platinum in uh, Dead Space. I love Dead Space, but there is like, I'm not gonna get thousand points in like the dumb basketball, right? Uh, Zero G basketball not game. Fun, you know? then don't do it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and so and also if a game is just like that was like Sekiro for me. I just people out there for Sekiro, great. More for you. Did not c- couldn't do it. I got pretty far into that game, and it's real. Honestly, did not enjoy it at all. Yeah, <laughs> so stop playing. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's it really is that simple. <laughs> well, uh, hey, we actually are running a little long here. Um, let's see. I think we have one more question. Okay. From uh, uh, oh, our podcast staple Chev here. Uh, have you started to see a big increase in trade-ins during the last six months with COVID restrictions lifting? Or are people generally hanging on to their games that they bought during the lockdown to keep themselves busy? Um, I wouldn't say I'm seeing an increase in specifically COVID buy stuff. Like, I think um, trade-ins kind of go through waves throughout the year. And so, like, spring cleaning is a Mm. concept that happens. And um, sometimes, like... Uh, I would imagine before Black Friday or kind of as the yeah, holiday season yeah. that people start kind of getting yeah. rid of their stuff. Yeah, close to the holidays. And, so um, that hasn't really changed much. No, I mean, I do think we're getting a little bit more volume than I would. I mean, I would say we're getting more volume than like a year ago or a few years ago, but mm. not not so substantially that I'm like, oh, wow, this is what, you know, where everyone's at mentally. But also in... You know, we're in in the Seattle area, and that's, I feel like, on a slightly different COVID timeline than some other parts of the world. Like, there are, you know, there are places, especially in, like, the Midwest and South and stuff, that probably saw that much more, whereas Seattle, even as the restrictions have lifted, I think there's still a lot of people who are, you know, like... I mean, I still wear a mask when I'm in in a store and that yeah. sort of thing. So I mean, like it's there's more of that than I think there are in other places. Yeah. So maybe it's just not quite as severe of a like it's over now, you know. I kind of stopped wearing a mask for a little bit, but then I was just like, and then I started seeing more headlines about like, 
I don't want to get sick. Yeah, I mean, it's it, we are here in your apartment, uh, and I'm not wearing a mask right yeah. now, so it's not like I am, you know, the most vigilant in the world about it. It's just like it when I when I'm out in public and you know in an enclosed space, I, I try to. There's some places where like I walk in wearing a mask, but I'm in a restaurant, and then everyone takes off their masks so they can eat or drink. What are we doing? But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's the truce we it, have with COVID. But... It, it doesn't stand. <laughs> does not stand to logic, but that's, that's what we're doing. But also, yeah, video games. Uh, they're always here for us. Yeah, there's too many of them. There's way too many of them. Yeah. There's too many that came out specifically in July of uh, 2022. If you, yeah, yeah, which we kind of needed. I felt like there'd been a bit of a drought post Elden Ring. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I feel that way too. Even though that's not super true it's just it was a drought of things i wanted to play (laughs) um but yeah then after like monster hunter and uh live alive and xenoblade all fairly in a row like that has been i i don't i simply do not have time for all of these games yeah i know to do (laughs) also how come it's not it's not live alive it's i always thought it was i thought it was live alive for years i thought it was live alive too nope it's live alive okay (laughs) <laughs> or at least that's how they were pronouncing it, like, in the Nintendo treehouse and in there. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to trust Nintendo. Yeah, when this. it was announced, I was like, oh, that's how we do it? Okay, yeah. well, hmm. You know what? Also, I thought it was King Dedede. King Dedede? Oh, I thought it was DDD as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought, like, I I don't know. It, it just made more sense to have a little, like, almost a, an apostrophe on yeah. it. Yeah. DDD. No, Dedede. D- to me, to have day a little, day. Day or the DD, have a little stutter on D- it. Oh, but day to day or DDD, whatever it is. But I always used to day. put a little, a little kind of a. a I mean, know. I like that. I think he should be. It's king like the yeah, the yeah, 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 man (laughs) yeah (laughs) keep it going uh tell you we'll have you back on in 10 years and we'll just like what do you what do you see your life in 10 years Ooh, uh i hope the foundation is like way bigger than it is right now pink girl i actually just kind of want to keep the same i love it as a manageable two-store business um i have i'm not a very good businesswoman because i have no dreams of like becoming an empire um i am not about the like worked so well for walter white what are you talking about (laughs) i'm just i I could be making more money, but I I just I like that this is manageable. And I that thought I you kind went to of, business school. I know, I know. Again, like I said, not there's a very never good enough money. It's always getting more money, yeah. right? So my, all my ambitions are that the foundation continues to grow. Really, that mm-hmm. we um, are in ten years. I hope we've got a bunch more employees. I hope that um, all of the projects we have going right now have like actual staff behind them like full time and um i hope we have even more cool projects Uh, i hope we're in a bigger space yeah and um you know ideally making a little more money but that's that's second to the work yeah well until 10 years from now people if people cannot come to the pink gorilla stores and see you where else can they find you uh yeah away you can find me on Twitter at Kels Lewin. You can find the Video Game History Foundation on Twitter at GameHistoryOrg. Um, go to GameHistory.org. Go to PinkGorillaGames.com. Um, I'm on on Instagram as well, I guess. Which I can you change your Instagram name because I really want them to match, but it's uh, it's I have no idea. Tenta Kels, like Kels K E L S, mm. but Tenta. It's 
Te- oh, the word tentacles. Like tentacles. But, yeah. Oh, that's clever. I thought I was going to use as like a username for a while, and then I just start, just decided that I'm not a username person. I'm just going to use my name. That yeah. Is, that is the name I user. Because it, it, even it took me a second to ten- tentacles. Yeah. yeah. It took me a second. Yeah. 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 So that's my Instagram. But Twitter is really probably where I'm more active. And that's just at Kels Lewin. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you again for uh, hanging out with us. Thanks we will for having have me. we will have another episode. Um, let's see. It is August first. We'll be on August fifteenth. Will be the next episode, and uh, Grace will be back. Well, maybe we'll have we'll just more guests. I don't know. You've you've you've, you've broken the dam now. <laughs> we'll get somebody else in here, but we'll be back uh, recording the next episode on the fifteenth. Uh, this episode, you know, you're listening to it here on the second. Hopefully, the second, maybe the third. What we do is we record it on the first and third Mondays of the month, and then uh. We do it live here for the podcast, or for, for, for our Patreon people. And then, uh, yeah, the recording comes up the next day, Tuesday slash Wednesday. We'll see you again then. Uh, I'm Derek. That's Tentacles over there. <laughs> Everyone have a good night. Bye.